When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook, where they have some ridiculous deals going on right now, I should mention. One is you really need to bet on the NFL draft. If if you're into the draft and you're into betting, it is like the best event. We'll be talking about it tomorrow with Evan Silva and Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. Highly encourage you to listen to that. Evan does a great job of kind of scouring through all the nuggets out there, all the comments to have a good idea for where these guys may or may not go. Plus, right now at DraftKings, if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and use their promo code ROSS. Bet $5 on any NBA team like the Sixers to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code ROSS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, of course. All right. My man on this show is Emory Hunt. The draft is next week. Emory Hunt is has the greatest breadth and depth. And breadth is a word that's always hard for me to say. I have no idea why. It's B-R-E-A-D-T-H, and I just don't say it that well. Here's what I do say well. At F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, FootballGamePlan.com, Slash 2022 draft guide. I've got a couple ideas for everybody. Number one, binge listen or watch these episodes. Emery does not subscribe to groupthink. There's a million reasons why I like Emery. I'll give you three right now. Emery doesn't care what other people think. He really, truly doesn't. Almost all the other people out there do. They're nervous. To really stick their neck out. There's a consensus. They want to be safe. Emery poops on safe. Okay? He just doesn't care. Which I love. Number two, nobody scours the other pro leagues or smaller college football like Emery. Absolutely nobody. And number three, Emery might be the only person I know that puts more time into this and likes football more than me which actually makes me feel more well-rounded and like a better human being. So I like that Emery is the way he is. If you haven't already, you still have time. Footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. Emery, it's so funny because this week and next, like this is when all the draft people come out of the woodwork. This is when everybody really starts. This is like by Monday, People that have never watched a single game of these players will be convinced 
they need to draft this guy over this other guy. Yeah, because from January, well, let's say after the Super Bowl to the first round of the NFL draft, everyone has been talking about the same 25 players. And so every iteration of a mock draft that has come out has been a reshuffling of the same 25 players. And so you can't be upset at the public for their narrow view of the draft when we've trained them this way, you know, and that's the issue I have with the whole draft media complex. You want to talk about quarterbacks. Cool. Let's talk about quarterbacks, but let's only talk about these five. And so when the sixth quarterback gets drafted, everybody's like, well, who the hell is that? You know, well, if you were able to expand your horizons and realize the draft is bigger than 25 selections and bigger than seven rounds, then you would be a more well-rounded fan and also analyst and also, you know, reporter, host, yada, yada. It's just, it's it's comical to watch this thing play out year in, year out. And I just get frustrated because if you love football and you love scouting players, the words that should never come out of your mouth is, this is a, a, a garbage class for insert position. This is not a strong class. Like, what are you talking about? Imagine if it's a player that's that sixth quarterback reads you saying this is a, a, a you know a garbage quarterback class, and then you try to reach out and interview that player. Like, well, what are you doing? How can you call someone garbage when a lot of times, um, you know, these dudes are putting their livelihoods on the line? You just say, oh, yeah, these dudes not good. Let's wait till we have somebody more popular we can talk about. I just hate that all about the draft media said this earlier. I'll say it again. You can go back. We've done every position today. We're going to hit the front seven next week. We'll hit the secondary, but you can go back and see quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends and O line or listen, and you can catch up and catch up over the next couple of weeks before we actually get to your front seven thoughts. Emory, I did want to get your thoughts on the USFL I saw you tweeting about it over the weekend, that F-ball game plan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, by the way. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. And I I even saw CBS Sports HQ had you as their USFL expert, which is exactly what you should be. Just curious overall, your thoughts on the presentation, on television, on the talent level, uh, maybe how it compares to what we saw with the AAF and the XFL. I'm curious. You know, first of all, it's football, so I love it. Uh, secondly, I feel like it's on par with what you would expect a spring league to look like. We know there's a rank and file of available talent. Um, and so when you watch the USFL and understand that these guys are essentially in their fourth week of on-field action, then you understand why there are some inconsistencies within the game. Uh, So for me, with that being the backdrop, you understand what you're seeing and why you're seeing it. And so as the games went on, you started to see more competitive uh, action. And to be honest, all three games were very competitive that came down to the last possession, and we get a game tonight on Monday night. So I feel like it was off to a very good start. People People with a negative mentality always will focus on the negative and not see the big picture. So they'll look at the the crowd and say, oh, it was only 12 people in the stands. Well, look at this league as a TV show and not as in the same scope of the NFL, which has been around since 1920. The USFL has been around for 19 minutes and 20 seconds, and you can't compare the two. 
So you look at this from a TV show perspective as just content. The NFL has showed us during the pandemic that we will watch football with no one in the stands. So essentially, they're not trying to focus on, yes, they want fans in the stands to make the TV show look better, but they're not focused on ticket sales. Hell, they're giving the tickets away for 10 bucks and kids get in free. So it's all about the TV show and the competitiveness of the games made it compelling to watch all throughout the day. We got football in the spring. We got football on Easter Sunday. So it's a good product, and I think it's going to get better because, again, this is only week four. These teams are on the field together in pads. So we we should see the, the games get better and better as the weeks move on. I love everything you just said there. And, by the way, people that need to see a full crowd – to believe that the game matters are small-minded. They, they just don't understand it. So you need a bunch of people that may or may not know what they're talking about to be in the stands for you to decide whether or not the action is of any consequence. That's bizarre to me, really bizarre. Do you realize that they're playing every game in Birmingham, right? Right. Okay, so you would think like the – Michigan game against – who would Michigan play? They played Houston. Yeah. You think Michigan and Houston are going to have a lot of fans in Birmingham? I mean, first of all, they wouldn't have that many fans in Michigan or Houston yet either. That's not even the point. It's a made-for-TV show. Let's talk about some guys that are hoping they'll spend their time in the NFL more so than in the USFL, but I thought it was a good start as well. As usual – Emory, you like to break it down a little bit differently than other people as it relates to your edge players um, or defensive ends, let's say, defensive line. You've got five technique, a four-three end, and then an edge. I guess I'm curious to get your explanation on the difference between those three. A lot of times I agree with your differentiation, but in my mind – a 4-3 D end is usually playing five technique and is usually an edge guy. So I'm, I'm a little curious to hear what your explanation is for that today. It's almost like how I break down corners. We're boundary corner, field corner, right? The only true difference is the slot guy, right? Because in the NFL, the entire game is played in the middle of the field. So there's no boundary. There's no field. But when you're watching the college game, you see how these guys are utilized. So you can see a pathway. Okay, this guy was utilized like this um, at the collegiate level. So maybe his best, uh, to, you know, to reach his potential could be utilized a little bit more so like this at the NFL level. But you're absolutely right. It's almost like when we talk about nowadays the distinction between, well, do they run a 3-4, do they run a 4-3? Well, you run right everything now. So you're going to you know, be multiple in your approach. But if you're going to get, let's say, my number one five tech, just know you can't make him – be T.J. Watt, you know, in order for him to be successful. I think he's best being more Cam Jordan as opposed to being T.J. Watt, if that makes sense. It does. Okay, so when you say edge, you're thinking more of like a maybe a stand-up guy, 4-3 uh, DNs, your traditional DN, five techniques, more physical against the run. Got it. All right, let's start with your your number one ranked Five technique, Cam Thomas, San Diego State. You gave him an 86 grade. That's high. Every time I watch 
San Diego State defense, and I'm watching their defense, um, and you watch against, you know, who's the best talent they've played against. So you watch those games, and you're like, this dude is standing out. Like, why is he unblockable? You know, and it's like, maybe that was just one game, so you watch another. He's like, no, he's really unblockable. And For him, it was like, let me just watch a fourth game because I'm excited. I, I like watching him play. It's like, man, this dude is really phenomenal. And But I think the issue for him is the the injury. You know, he couldn't really participate in the Senior Bowl uh, because of an injury. Uh, but when he's out there on the field, he plays with length. He is, you know, someone that has a plan in terms of rushing the passer. And he's always productive on both ends of defense. So for me, you get someone that's that disruptive up front. I don't care where you play or how you play. I want the talent on my defensive line. Your number one ranked 4-3 the end is Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. It's interesting. You gave him a 79 grade. That's significantly lower than what you gave Kayvon Thibodeau, who we'll talk about next, who got a 90 as your edge, number one ranked edge. It's even significantly less than what you just gave Cam Thomas. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is a fascinating case study in groupthink uh, because going into the season – it was all about Kayvon Thibodeau, right? And we clearly saw the explosive athletic talent in Kayvon Thibodeau. And before people dive into our mentions and talk about I'm, I'm, I don't like Aid Hutchinson, well, just go back and listen to the College Draft podcast in the summer when I said Aiden Hutchinson is a better player than Quiddy Pay. When you watch Quiddy Pay, he was like, man, Aid Hutchinson is balling. So it's not like I don't like Aiden Hutchinson. It's the fact that when you look at Aiden Hutchinson and try to project him to the NFL level, you wonder where the number one overall pick talk came from. Was it just because he had that great blowout game and then it just kind of stuck there because people, you know, was kind of tired of talking about Kayvon Thibodeau and he wasn't having the blowout final season, which we know a lot of factors go into that. But also when you look at, you know, Hutchinson, there are certain things like he's a little bit stiff athletically. Uh, but he does play the run rather well. He does chase the quarterback and close on the quarterback rather well. He does a, a lot of things solid. Um, so he's a good football player and someone that I would take in the first round. But when we're talking about number one overall pick, you're talking about difference maker, impact player with upside. And I feel like what we're seeing now from Aiden Hutchinson is what we're going to see moving forward. Now, again, that's solid. That's good. That's a starter. But number one overall pick, you kind of want that difference made. You know, it's interesting because on Friday's Ross Tucker football podcast, we had Greg Cosell. Greg joins me every week. And, you know, in the pre-draft process, I get Greg's opinion on draft prospects as well. We do that year-round here, obviously. And he said something I thought was really interesting. He talked about David Ojabo from Michigan, who unfortunately tore his Achilles at his pro day, but he said how he's, in his in his opinion, much more explosive and athletic than Aiden Hutchinson, which really has me scratching my head a little bit. I mean, since when does the number one overall pick have a teammate at the same position that's much more athletic and explosive? I've watched Hutchinson. I think he'll be a good player. I, I think he's got a really high floor because of his effort, because of his hands. He's got good size. But usually the number one overall pick is like Miles Garrett 
or Jadeveon Clowney. And Clowney probably wasn't worth it, but my point is they have that kind of physical ability. Meanwhile, Hutchinson's teammate, you know, is significantly more explosive and athletic. And I haven't heard anybody yet say that they think Hutchinson's better than the Boses were coming out, and they weren't number one overall picks. Yeah, it, it, it really just blew my mind to see that take come out there like midway through the season and stick to where, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, Hudson, after Hudson, then who else is going to go number two? Like, wait a minute, are we sure he's the number one overall pick? And like you said, there's no downside to having a good football player. He's a high floor guy, plug and play and be solid, which is fine. But when you're talking about number one overall pick, and I, I have the same view on quarterbacks, we're, we're talking about guys that you're expecting to come in and be difference makers. I always utilize the 1989 top five approach of what top five picks supposed to look like. And this is what Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders, you know, those type players, Derek Thomas, I believe like that's a top five, you know? Okay. That, yeah. I see those, those guys as top five talents. So when we talk about top five, yeah, you're relegated to, to the draft class that you're in, but let's not force something that doesn't have to be forced there. And even his uh, counterpart, Quiddy pay that everybody loved last year. He went what? 15th or something like that, 17th. So, or is is Hutchinson more? He's a better football player, I feel like, than Pay. But athletically, we understand why Pay went where he did. So, I, I just didn't understand where Hutchinson was gonna, why he was being projected as the number one overall pick. Let's get to your number one edge. You gave him a ninety grade, which is really high. You gave that to uh, the offensive lineman from Boston College. It's Kayvon Thibodeau, who we've talked about a lot this year. You know, there's very mixed opinions on him, uh, Emery. Number one, I think there's mixed opinions on him as a player. And then, for whatever reason, his personality has been a major turnoff, reportedly, for some teams. Yeah, it's sad, man. Like, because you're well-rounded and, and you know, have a different view of the world, it makes you – not trustworthy as a football player. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like you kind of want guys that to have great perspective because they will always find solutions to every problem. When you have someone that's kind of limited in their approach and their scope, they find problems for every solution. So for me, having someone like that, that has a, a deep wealth of, of thought and perspective. Yeah. You kind of want that guy on your football team because he can kind of keep everybody stable, get everybody refocused and get him and get them back going in the right direction. Athletically, Duke can drop back in coverage, so he can cover some some tight ends. He can cover carry some backs, so he gives you a little bit of versatility there. We know he has the athleticism to get around a corner and close and flatten on the quarterback. Stepped in as a true freshman and starred right away, and he still has the upside because he's a, a early entry in the draft and someone that I think this year was doing what most number one overall picks tend to do: kind of protect their assets a little bit. You know, even though he came back from an injury and played, uh, you know, in um, in so the rest of the regular season games, it's, I think this guy is more engaged than what people give him credit for. And he's also super athletic and talented. And I don't give out 90 grades often. I know some people give like 90 grades as, you know, they're like 20, 90. Like I, I can Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Gabe Jackson. There's only, you know, this I can still name the 90s that I've given. You know, so 
Um, I think this guy is a, a can't-miss prospect. He should go number one overall. Your top D tackle is Curtis Brooks from Cincinnati. Same thing with Cam Thomas. You watch Cincinnati defense. I'm like, why is no one talking about this dude that's like constantly disruptive, that's using his hands really well? He's someone that I, I the reason why I like his his game a lot is because once he beats the the O lineman initially, he's looking for the football. So he's not one of these you know guys who's going to fly past the lineman and and you know either get trapped or you know get influenced by misdirection. He is someone that beats, seeks, and destroys. And so when you're that disruptive and, and consistent in your technique up front, you're a problem on the defensive line. He's someone I see more as a three-tech uh, at the next level because of his quickness and ability to read, retrace, redirect, and go get the football. Underrated defensive lineman in this class. What about uh, the nose tackle? That Your top-ranked nose tackle is the big boy Jordan Davis from Georgia. I, listen, when you're, I think, and I told him this at the combine when I interviewed him on CBS Sports HQ, it was like, listen, your trek is sort of like Dexter Lawrence's trek when he was going into the league, where people just saw him as a gap occupier, uh, you know, run stuffer, you know, and they didn't notice how quick he is off the ball, thin ankles, real quick. Um, so you weren't asked to rush the passer you were excelling in the role that you were asked to excel in and you did that. So you do have pass rushing potential. Um, you, and it showed with how well he tested. So it shows you that he does have good quickness off the ball. He can be a one gap penetrator. Um, he's someone that actually wants to be, you know, better and wants to showcase his skill set. We saw glimpses of that in the championship game against Alabama, where he was a little bit more disruptive than we saw him throughout the season. So that lets you know that they kind of unleash him a little bit. And if we're projecting, you know, what a guy can do based on what he was asked to do with Trayvon Walker, why can't we do the same with Jordan Davis? Oh, that's a good point. Really good point. Um, question. What What do you think of Wyatt from Georgia? Devontae Wyatt, the other D tackle. I, I like him, man. He's, he's an explosive off the ball. He's another one of these you know, chaos on wheels type three techs, you know, someone that's going to, you know, win in a variety of ways. He got, a, he has a good swim over. He could shock and then dis- disregard and then make, make his way in the backfield. He's another one that does a good job in finding the football. Uh, that's one of the worst things to see on film. Uh, when you see a defensive tackle do a great job off the ball, do a great job in getting penetration, but that's all he's focused on in terms of just getting up field and flying out and feel like, what are you doing? Find the football. And so you don't see many plays go past Wyatt because of it. Speaking of great job, do a great job for Mother's Day and get your mom, your wife, any of the moms in your life, a story from myfrontpagestory.com. I know a lot of you guys have heard me talk about it on other shows. It is by far the best gift you can get your mom or your wife, whoever, for Mother's Day. When they see the story written about them, they'll be blown away. They'll cry. It's framed. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. They will hang it up in their house forever. Myfrontpagestory.com. Let's get to the linebackers. Your top inside linebacker, Emery, is Chad Muma from Wyoming. I love, 81. 
Love the athleticism, Ross. And this is someone that, man, he is fast in all directions. A lot of times when you see a, a backer get sucked in on play action, they struggle to get back into their zone drop. Not him. He'll get sucked in, and then he'll get right back to his zone drop as if he started his zone drop instead of getting sucked in on the run play. So he's athletic. He flies to the football. He's able to close uh, and shrink space rather well. And then he arrives in a bad move, man. And, and we know the NFL game for backers is about run, chase. And if you can run and chase and in pursuit, you're going to be highly valued. So he's someone that if I needed an inside backer, if I was Philly, that's a guy I would probably target because I feel like he can float to the football rather well. He still has upside left in this game. He is super athletic to not only carry in that cover two, if you want him to, to drop back, but also do a good job and just playing man coverage against backs and tight ends. And then your your number one ranked outside linebacker, same region of the country, Troy Anderson from Montana State. Athletic specimen. Has offensive, you know, uh, in his background, was a running back and quarterback at Montana State. And, you know, it was interesting because we watched him kind of have an inconsistent game against North Dakota State in the title game. Then he goes out to the Senior Bowl, and it, it's almost like he got better from an instinctual standpoint. His keys were a lot better. And when you talk about the athleticism that Muma has, Anderson has that in spades. So he can run, he can chase, he can cover. Uh, he's another guy. I think he's the closest to a Brian Erlacher type in this draft than any linebacker. So if you're a team and I'm, I'm zeroing in on this team, because I think this team could do a great deal in the draft with, with how I think they should select things. If you're a team like Houston, maybe in round two and you, and you have Lovey Smith as your coach, man, imagine the pair you could have with him and the guy he drafted last year and Garrett wallow who played well when he got in there and it was hard to keep him up the lineup. I think he could be exactly what Lovey Smith would want at the position. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised, Emery, that they did not hear you mention Devin Lloyd from Utah or Nicobe Dean from Georgia. Dean is someone that I, I saw and I was like, it's funny because when you're watching that position and there's multiple prospects at the position, now you're comparing on a linear path. So as you're watching Dean, you're like, man, Low-key, Tyndall is balling. Like, Tyndall may be better than Dean, or he translates better. Quay Walker may translate better. Dean is a good football player, but when you're talking about projecting to the next level, you know we always talk about athleticism. It's a big man's game, and it's a fast man's game. And so when you look at Walker and also Tyndall, they just project better to me than Dean. And Lloyd is someone that is number two for me. Uh, He is someone that does a good job. Um, but when you talk about, you know, if I had to just call it a buck, his age is what it is. So you don't know how much upside he has left, but also I just think that Mooma is a little bit more athletic and fluid than, than Lloyd is. Make sure you check this man out on social media at F ball game plan. That was awesome. Talking about the edge rushers, the D tackles. Of course, talking about the linebackers as well. Really interesting stuff. It's not too late. You still can get in on going to footballgameplan.com 
slash 2022 draft guide. Next week, we will break down the secondary. Lots of corners, lots of safeties to discuss later on this week with Greg Cosell. We're going to get into his thoughts on some of these D tackles, maybe linebackers as well. I am at Ross Tucker Pod. We are, no, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. He is at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter. Really appreciate the follows, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. I'm on TikTok now, at Ross Tucker NFL. Emery's all over YouTube, Football Game Plan on YouTube. We are always available, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, the keg is kicked. I am all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.